Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Ontario is reopening for business again. The Ontario Chamber of Commerce says a child care deal between Ontario and Ottawa is essential to our economic recovery. The trucker protest continues at Parliament Hill. The 20th annual Soup Fest kicks off Thursday in Hamilton. Canada blanked the U.S. 2-zip in Sunday's World Cup qualifier at Tim Hortons Field. And Simone Lawrence re-signing with the Ticats, but fans want to see more free agents back in black and gold in 2022. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. It is a a big day once again in the province of Ontario as we slowly reopening places like restaurants, gyms, movie theaters. Fred Eisenberger is the mayor of Hamilton and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Uh, Before I get your thoughts on today's uh, reopening in Ontario, uh, I want to get your take on what is happening in Ottawa. I'm not sure if you've been in discussion with Mayor Jim Watson uh, at all, but what's your take on what's happening in the capital? Um, uh, You know, I I haven't been in discussion with with Jim, but certainly I've been following uh, the the, the feed on Twitter and other other social media platforms, and uh, it is quite uh, quite a crush of uh, vehicles, and certainly, uh, you know, they're... uh, Doing things that I think are, you know, radically inappropriate. Uh, you know, some of the honorable locations like the uh, Fallen Soldier and uh, Terry Fox uh, Monument, the things that uh, they're uh, they're actually desecrating or not uh, not taking care of, uh, certainly is concerning. And then, uh, you know, asking for food from a from a shelter for some of these uh, protesters is just uh, just outrageous. So, so some of the things that are happening there is uh, is unfortunate. Uh, we all support, uh, you know, uh, a safe and uh, and uh, nonviolent protest. Uh, that's uh, certainly a right that everyone has. But to uh, to do some of these, uh, take some of these measures against uh, some of these uh, structures and against cities and uh, against individuals in the community, I, I think it's just wholly inappropriate. So it's unfortunate, and uh, certainly I'm not a great fan of this uh, this whole approach. And uh, hope that they uh, go home and. Uh, get busy with the work that they need to be doing, which is, uh, you know, delivering the uh, materials that uh, that we all need to conduct our everyday lives. Trucking is important, and the vast majority of truckers are, are doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is uh, getting vaccinated and doing the work that they uh, need to do every day to keep the supply chain uh, healthy and open. So hopefully these folks will get back to doing that uh, soon. Let's focus on uh, some encouraging news in this province, and that is the uh, reopening. Is uh, Are you confident that now is the, the best time to do it? Well, it's, uh, it's certainly a good time to do it, uh, given that uh, the, our, our, our health professionals are saying that things are settling down a bit. So it's time to, to have a look at how we can get back to some sense of norm- normality. Uh, so uh, having things open up, having our, our city facilities open up, our gyms, our, our places that uh, you know people want to enjoy and take part in. Uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, scheduled to play tennis tonight, and you know, for for our collective well-being, uh, it's important that we get back to uh, the activities that we all want to get get to safely. And so uh, I think uh, a measured approach, uh, I think, is the right thing to do. I think. Um, as long as our healthcare professionals tell us that uh, things are on the decline and that we're uh, we're doing this safely, and that there are still appropriate measures we need to take, and you know, masking and physical distancing and those things are still going to be important, uh, even though restaurants are going to be open, it's at at a fifty percent capacity, and so there are still protective measures being put in place. But I think uh, you know we we need to get back to uh, some some activities that uh, are also 
you know, harming us in, in, in many ways uh, of not being able to do. And so, uh, you know, getting back to those things, I think, is going to be important. So hopefully the, uh, the variant uh, will, uh, will also cooperate and uh, that we're able to, uh, to even be more open in the next coming, uh, you know, weeks and months. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Zamprin with you. You kind of alluded to it uh, a couple minutes ago. What does the reopening mean for the morale of this city and, and the people who live in it? Well, that's that's the issue. And so, you know, a lot of folks have uh, have been denied the opportunity to, uh, to either get, get the exercise that they, uh, they, they'd like to do or socialize with the people they like to do it with or to visit their museums or have their kids in the uh, some of the aquatic programs or the hockey programs all the things that uh, that keep our lives uh, you know full and uh, and busy and uh, and uh, that hasn't been available to anyone so uh, you know our, our service centers are going to be opening uh, you know unfortunately the you know one museum is opening Dundrum Castle will open but the other museums will not largely because we still need staff to uh, participate in the vaccination program and that's uh, that's ongoing. That isn't going to stop. It's still uh, very, very much necessary. And we still encourage people to get vaccinated. It's still the best way to uh, protect yourself from uh, serious harm is to get that vaccination. So all of our vaccination facilities are going to continue operating, and that requires staff. So we're not going to be uh, as open as some might like to the to the degree that we uh, have everything just open as a, as of right. Uh, but there are going to be limited uh, opportunities for people to participate. The greenhouse, uh, Gage Park Greenhouse, will be open uh, on February the 4th. Uh, there are different dates, by the way, in terms of when things will open, just because of the way things have to uh, kind of roll out. So I encourage people to uh, to call before you go uh, to ensure that uh, the program that you're after or the program that you, you want to participate in is, uh, is available. But they're all either scheduled to open in the next day or today, uh, or in, within the next couple of days. So I anticipate that that's going to happen uh, hopefully b- very smoothly. But uh, be reminded that uh, it is not a, not 100% open, and uh, there are still going to be some limited restrictions uh, for your participation in all of those as we go forward. But, you know, uh, uh, social, social interaction is so important. Uh, people have been isolated. Uh, seniors have been isolated. They're anxious to get back to getting together and uh you know, enjoying programs and enjoying uh, physical activity. Uh, and that is, uh, you know, as important, uh, you know, I think uh, now as, as even getting vaccinated. So uh, if you can do both, so that, uh, that is certainly better for everyone in our community. All of the city's uh, reopening uh, programs and dates on uh, the website as well, hamilton.ca. Fred, really appreciate the time today. Thanks for joining us and enjoy your day. Thank you, Rick, and uh, happy reopening. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, as Ontario opens up once again, the Ontario Chamber of Commerce is suggesting a child care deal with the federal government will be essential for an inclusive economic recovery. Rocco Rossi is the president and CEO of the Ontario Chamber and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Rocco. Thanks so much for having me, uh, Rick. And we're not quite getting it right back to where we started from, but... uh, (laughs) A step in the right direction. We we are getting there slowly and and surely. Let's start with this uh, impending child care deal. I'm sure the chamber is urging both sides to get this done. What kind of impact would a child care deal have on the Ontario business community? Well, we've seen through um, 
through the whole pandemic that um, women have been particularly hard hit in a situation where where everyone has been hit. Um, but participation in the economy by women dropped to levels we've not seen since the early 90s. And that's because, you know, with schools opening and closing, with child care uh, difficulties, uh, women who still very much bear the, the brunt of child rearing in our society um, basically had to pull themselves out of uh, the labor force. And if we're going to get back and grow the economy in the recovery, we need as much participation uh, in the economy as possible and clearly uh, having access um, to affordable, available uh, child care is a key uh, driver of that, and that's why every other province and territory, uh, except for um, Ontario at this moment, has uh, signed their deal with the federal government, and uh, we're hoping that um, uh, we can come to a great deal here in Ontario. Speaking of Ontario, we are uh, reopening at least a little bit again today. Uh, business owners, uh, chamber members must be uh, very excited today. Well, for sure, it's it's definitely a step in uh, in the right direction. But a- as you well know, Rick, it's extremely um, complicated um, because reopening businesses, unlike, for instance, reopening um, the schools, have a much bigger challenge because during the closures, schools didn't have to fill out application forms to uh, uh, to get support for the government from the government. They didn't have to lay off. Uh, their employees and now, you know, scramble to try to get them back. They don't have to re-stock uh, uh, their refrigerators, et cetera, uh, with, um, with supplies uh, after, you know, after a couple of years of building up enormous debt and so being strapped for cash. So it's not going to be uh, easy for many, um, but there's no question that... Um, uh, they're delighted that this is happening because at the end of the day, Rick, as you well know, um, businesses don't start to live off government subsidies. They they start because they're proud of the good and service that they're providing uh, to their community, and and they just want to make the cash register ring. That that's how they want to. Uh, move forward. Rocco Rossi is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rocco is the president and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. How optimistic are you that this is going to be the last time that we're getting out of stage two? Well, look, at if, if uh, the pandemic has taught us one thing, it's to be humble uh, and not to, um, uh, not to feel that uh, you're more exact than, than uh, the case actually allows for. Um, but um, I, I'm an optimistic person by, uh, by nature. Uh, I love what Ontarians have done in terms of rolling up their, their sleeves, getting vaccinated, uh, following public health uh, rules. And uh, look at, you know, for, for everyone who says, you know, we've got to learn to live with it. And even Dr. Moore has begun to say uh, that. I also want to remind people that you know we we learn to live with the risk of car accidents uh, but part of the way we learn to live with that uh, that risk is seat belts and speed limits and advanced technologies in cars uh, airbags etc so 
um, you know, the, the, the new normal will have additional elements. And I think it's important for people um, to do whatever we can to move that agenda forward. Last one for you, the Canadian Federation of Independent Business supporting the message behind the protest in Ottawa when it comes to vaccine mandates for cross-border truckers because of its impact on small business. Is the Ontario Chamber also supporting that message, knowing that some of these protesters are now going to be targeting businesses such as malls in the capital? Look, as you know, uh, Rick, the debate is is moot because the U.S. has that um, requirement at the at the border. So, um, you know, we have to be in step with our major trading partner. And that is the, the crucial thing to remember. I'd also point out uh, that the Ontario Trucking Alliance, the Canadian Trucking Alliance, um, that that represents the vast majority of, of the industry um, does not support the tactics that are being used uh, in this case, and, um, and 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 we support them. We we want there to be ongoing dialogue. We understand frustration, but some of the um, ancillary activities that have happened in the uh, in the capital are not bringing. Um, pride and and honor to the um, to the industry and that's because certain elements even outside the the industry are taking advantage of it um you know to um uh, to participate in in activities that that dishonor us all quite frankly well said rocco really appreciate the time as always thanks for joining us and enjoy your day well and everyone get out and buy local every chance uh, you can because those businesses need your business more than ever before. You got it. Rocco Rossi, President and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Lots of things happening in Ottawa. Not only do we have a protest going on on Parliament Hill, MPs return to work today. Uh, the Prime Minister in isolation after one of his children tested positive for COVID-19. There's a lot of action on the Hill Today, Mercedes Stevenson is the Ottawa Bureau Chief for Global National, host of the West Block here on 900 CHML and Global TV. Mercedes, good morning. Good morning. We understand the Prime Minister is going to make a a statement or an announcement later on this morning. What should Canadians expect to hear? Well, we don't know if the statement uh, is necessarily connected to this. We do know there is a a press conference that's going to take place. Um, But the Prime Minister, as of yet, hasn't said anything since last week about this convoy of of, of truckers and various supporters who have made their way to Ottawa. Um, And it may be that this is the point where he decides to say something about that. Um, Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole had met with some of the truckers privately. Some of his MPs were seen on Parliament Hill over the weekend. Uh, One, Michael Cooper, has come under fire for handing out coffee. well, there was some pretty questionable flags close by in the background, not suggesting, by the way, that he was associated with those flags, but raising concerns uh, about some of the elements in the protest, largely the protest. I don't live very far from it. Very, very peaceful, 
very, very loud uh, for several blocks off Parliament Hill. And I can tell you that this morning um, traffic is still gridlocked many, many blocks back. It is uh, trucks that are completely blocking entrances, not only to Parliament Hill, but to all the residential neighbourhoods around it on the main northwest, uh, pardon me, north-south thoroughfares. East-west seems to still be passable, uh, but no signs that this protest is going anywhere. That may mean Justin Trudeau needs to address it. However, most politicals will tell you this is actually a protest that helps him rather than harming him because it gives him kind of a foil to play off of. Um, So it will be very interesting what he has to say about the protesters evolving and often very different demands within the same protest, uh, some of which are aimed at the federal government, but a lot of which are also aimed at provincial governments. You mentioned uh, PC leader Aaron O'Toole and the Conservative Party, at least some of the caucus members uh, on the Hill throwing their support behind this uh, protest. What political blowback, if any, may he or the party suffer? Well, I think it depends how most Canadians will view this this protest as it goes on. Um, and that is potentially a liability for him if you start to look at some of the extremist elements. Again, the, the most people who were up there were very peaceful. They were loud, but this was not a violent protest. Uh, but then when you started to see things happening, like the desecration of the Terry Fox Memorial, somebody dancing on the tomb of the unknown soldier, people peeing on the war monument, uh, that starts to create anger among a lot of Canadians. And then they start to question some of the people who might be associating with that protest. Also, the risk for them is, where does this protest go? At this point, it might be lower risk because it's just been you know, essentially a bunch of people partying on Parliament Hill saying that they want things to change. But we do know there are elements involved with white nationalist movements, with far right movements in their past were some of the leaders and organizers of this protest. And as it continues, when the police start trying to force them to move out, we'll see what that dynamic looks like. So um, there is a political risk there for the conservatives. I think for those that were joining, it was a calculus that they believe there's a lot of sentiment of frustration that might be a political opportunity for them. But it's risky because in a protest this size, with this kind of very diverse um, demands and elements, everything from lift trucking vaccine max mandates to we're not leaving till Justin Trudeau's out of power, um, that's a pretty broad group to start aligning yourself with. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Mercedes Stevenson, Ottawa Bureau Chief for Global National, host of the West Block. Um, Ottawa police, uh, I thought, from what I saw and what I read over the weekend, have done a phenomenal job in uh, keeping the peace, or at least help keep the peace. Uh, what can you say about Ottawa police and how they've handled this. Well, I think that people in Ottawa are very frustrated with the Ottawa police, to be honest. Um, it's it's not that they didn't uh, manage to keep it peaceful. They did. I think that they worked very hard at de-escalation. But the complete gridlocking of the downtown was certainly a tremendous frustration to residents. Uh, people aren't able to get out, to, to go anywhere, to do anything, to leave their home, and they're listening to honking horns outside their windows 12 hours a day. And I'm not talking about people who live on Parliament Hill. You could be several blocks back from Parliament Hill and still have 12 hours a day of semi-horns blaring outside your house. Um, so there's certainly a lot of frustration from folks in Ottawa who want to see the protest move on. We see protests all the time in the city. People are very used to it. But they're typically a day and sometimes they'll flare uh, after that where there will be additional requests for them to have a protest and the police actually organize it so they can march through the streets. But having main uh, streets blocked all the way through downtown for what is now going to be the fourth day um, is not something that is winning a lot of fans for the Ottawa police and the local population here. All of this comes as Parliament resumes today. What are some of the highlights you're expecting to see over the next uh, few weeks? 
Well, it's really going to be about Justin Trudeau figuring out how to start moving things. Parliament didn't sit that long, right? Uh, it hasn't sat that long in the last almost year. Um, it, of course, they rose for the election. They didn't come back until late in the year. It was a very quick session before they dissolved again for the Christmas break. So this is sort of going to be the first sustained session uh, where there's lots to get done, lots of promises by the federal government that they need to work through, lots of legislation that they didn't manage to get passed that they promised in the last government that is now uh, basically reincarnated in this government. And they're going to have to find allies for that because, of course, it is a minority government. So they're going to be looking at the NDP uh, and the Bloc and perhaps some independents and Greens to help them get that passed. It doesn't sound like they think the Conservatives are going to back them. Not surprising, especially in a minority parliament, uh, to see the main opposition party not do that. Uh, but that's the dynamic I would expect to see in this parliament. Thank you for your time today, Mercedes, and stay safe. Thank you. Mercedes Stevenson, Ottawa Bureau Chief for Global National, host of the West Block, which you can check out here on 900 CHML Sundays at 6 p.m. Also, of course, on Global TV. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The 20th, can you believe it, 20th annual Soup Fest kicks off Thursday at participating restaurants in Hamilton and the surrounding area. And here to give us a sneak peek is Karen Craig, Program Director at Living Rock Ministries. Karen, good morning. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning. It's great to be here. Where has the time gone? Two decades? I know, and I'm just thinking about it, all these memories of Soup Fest, it's just fabulous, but you know, it's not, we're not at the convention center with 5,000 people, um, we're going to the restaurants, but that's, the restaurants are our main ingredient of this whole thing anyway, so it's just really honoring these incredible restaurants that have stood with us for 20 years, and um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting to do this, it's still lots of fun. <laughs> you go to the restaurants, and I mean, last year I popped to restaurants, and you're getting, you're buying either a bowl. Um, some of them sell it frozen. You can buy a liter or a bowl and take home. You can, you know, um, I, I met some people down at one area, and they said, "Oh, we've done all the Dundas restaurants already, and we're doing, you know, the restaurants down here." And so people just get out there, and we are so glad to be able to honor our restaurants in this season. So it's really important. When you reflect on the first ever soup fest, what comes to mind? <laughs> <laughs> well, just yeah, just how overwhelming. I think I think I even helped carry some soup down the first rounds, but uh, yeah, then it just grew and grew, and it's just been amazing. So yeah. I know um, one restaurant, uh, the father thought it was going to be like that the Living Rock was some sort of environmental group or something, and uh, <laughs> they didn't even know what they were going to, and then they fell in love with with the youth and just meeting the youth every year. And of course the music was amazing too. So we missed some of those pieces, but I mean, it's still just our, our heart right now is to raise some money for the rock as well as to really honor our restaurants. So, you know, people are going to go see, get a signature soup and um, the restaurants are going to give us a, a percentage to the rock, but I mean, we're not, we need to cover their costs. It's really important this year. So you know, there is going to be a donation. And there's lots of great sponsors. You know, um, the other thing that is interesting is Grosso Hooper Law, like, they have been with The Rock as one of our key sponsors. We have several sponsors. Um, a real great friend of The Rock and volunteer, Tim Dickens, has stood with us and connecting with lots of different businesses. So we have a long list of sponsors as well. So go on our website and check. But 
Grasso Hooper Law stood with us for all 20 years, so that's amazing. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, Chorus Radio Hamilton and 900 CHML, also a sponsor of this year's Absolutely. Soup Fest. Yeah, with the with the Children's Fund, which I know has helped out Living Rock Ministries over the years as well. Absolutely. Do you have a fundraising goal, and, and where does the money go to? Um, well, it just is going to support our programs for sure. We've got lots of things going on at the Rock. So we have, you know, our uh, drop-in is seven days a week right now. We have our uh, breakfast, dinner. Um, yeah, our drop-in's one to four, seven days a week. We have our Youth Resource Center right now. We've got laundry, computers, and iPads from Street Youth Planning Collaborative. We have a beautiful uh, cargo van that we're delivering food to over 200 youth. I'm really excited. A new thing is we have Nick Nathan Powers, who we've known well through Freestyle Friday. He's doing an EDM course, um, which is they're doing songwriting, production, video work every Saturday and Sunday, and kids are getting really involved in that. Um, of course, Wellness Works is still rolling with our stroller fit and cooking programs and supports for young parents. So, yeah, there's a lot still happening at the, at the Rock for sure. And in the summer, we'll get back into the parks because we can do that and really reach out. to We reached over 200 youth in uh, uh, the park program as well as, as lots of children. So there's some incredible stuff happening. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, th- that's the kind of stuff it'll support. So, yeah. And how much money do you hope to raise? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, that's one thing I don't know what, what Julie's goal is. But again, I think it's just keeping the momentum of Soup Fest until we can get back inside. So it's, yeah, it's, um, we want to keep that going. So I don't know if there's a particular goal in mind, but just, uh, again, to get out to our restaurants. Can I list the restaurants? Can I do that? Yeah. The, how how many in. do you have? We just, we just need to honor them. So it's Burnt Tongue, Chef Nina, Caro, Flamborough Hills, uh, Four Golf Bar and and Pizzeria, The Fool and the Flagon, Mosaic, uh, Beer Bar, Mulberry Coffee House, uh, Red Church, Royal Botanical Garden, Nellie James, Stuffed, Thirsty Cactus, Uncle Ray's, and Victoria's. So if you go on our website, it's going to say where they are, when they're open, because it's based on their operating hours, and it'll also give you um, a description of the soup. So what they're doing so that goes up tomorrow so you're you're gonna go out and the thing is it's so cool is you've got quite a, a timeline here too you're going out right from february 2nd you can start so that's why this this being able to announce this now is just critical because um, it goes on the website tomorrow and then february 3rd to february 21st you can go out and get soup so this is a great like and, and it's a great soup weather so i just had so much fun like just running around to all these restaurants and getting dinner. Um, every night we try a new soup, so it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. You can get the uh, complete list of uh, restaurants at livingrock.ca. That's the website, www.livingrock.ca. We're in discussion with Karen Craig, Program Director at Living Rock Ministries, talking about the 20th Annual Soup Fest. Um, you mentioned uh, all the restaurants taking part this year. A lot of them sound familiar and have been with you guys for years. Is, have there been any uh, that have participated through all 20 years? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, I remember when Bert Tongue even joined the ranks when they 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 came in and they actually cooked with our, our um, with our youth actually trained our youth in cooking, um, and they made soup for a few of the soup fests, which was really fun too for an extra an extra soup by donation. But um, yeah, I can't. I don't know if all of any of them. Has been with for all. I mean, Thirsty Cactus has been with us a long time, and when we did our our Soup Fest cookbook, uh, they did our launch for that. 
uh, they're definitely one of the ones that have been there for a long time. Uh, Yeah, Ontario reopening today with at least 50% indoor dining. So that should be a pretty big boost for SoupFest. Absolutely. Yeah, the restaurants are really excited about that, too. So that's going to be a real boost for sure. Yeah. Exciting times at Living Rock Ministries. 20th Annual Soup Fest kicks off this Thursday. That's February the 3rd and runs all the way through February 21st. Karen, really appreciate the time today. Good luck with this year's event. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's going to be super. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Karen Craig, Program Director of Living Rock Ministries. Yes, super uh, fun time at Soup Fest. And all the details online at livingrock.ca forward slash soupfest. Be prepared because there is a variety of soups that are showcased on the website and your mouth will begin to water as soon as you have a look at all the soups. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. That turned that ball hanging up into the wind. It was blowing much more fiercely earlier. Larry with the layup. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Thanks to One Soccer for the sound. Big win for Canada yesterday at Hamilton's Tim Hortons Field. They took down the Americans 2-0 in their latest CONCACAF World Cup qualifying men's soccer match. And it was a dazzling display of action on the field and a raucous crowd in the stadium. Dr. Nick Bontis is the president of Canada Soccer and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Nick, good morning. How are you? I'm feeling fantastic on this fine <laughs> Monday morning. <laughs> what a scene in Hamilton yesterday. It was amazing. I mean, I'm so proud as a Hamiltonian. I mean, the intent was for us to put Tim Hortons Field on display in front of the world. Um, you know, we've been getting, obviously, fantastic local media coverage, and I thank you for that. But, I mean, we got coverage in the BBC, in Asia, in Europe. I mean, the whole world. All of FIFA was watching us in Hamilton yesterday. So to say that, did yesterday's game put Hamilton at least in the conversation to host World Cup games when Canada, the U.S., and Mexico co-host in 2026? No. I mean, Tim Warren's field doesn't have the, uh, you know, the minimum standards required by FIFA to host an actual World Cup match. I mean, one, you know, one of the standards, of course, is just a minimum capacity of 45,000 that's necessary. Um, and it wasn't part of the original bid. But what Hamilton does have going for it is in an even better opportunity, in my estimation, which is to actually host a country for those 30 days during the World Cup. So in addition to you know the stadiums that actually have games, don't forget the games only last 90 minutes, but you could potentially have Italy or Serbia or Greece train at Tim Hortons Field every day for 30 days, live here, eat at the restaurant, go out and allow fans to attend and watch that training every day. That would be an even better opportunity, in my opinion, for Hamilton. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Dr. Nick Montes is our guest, President Canada Soccer, as we reflect on yesterday's big 2-0 win by Canada over the U.S. One key moment in yesterday's game came in the 43rd minute as Hamilton's Milan Borion made a eye-popping save to preserve mm-hmm. a 1-0 lead. The Hamilton keeper's been fantastic. He has been fantastic. You know, they when you're a goalkeeper in international football, you know, you got to pay attention for 90 minutes, and it's not easy to do, and it's, you know, minus 10 degrees outside. But, you know, when you're called upon, you might only touch the ball two or three times where it's absolutely necessary to make an amazing save. He did that in the Honduras game, two fantastic saves, and he did it again yesterday. That save that he made was unbelievable, a point-blank header, 
and Milan, you know, saved the shutout for the team. And, you know, if, if, if the U.S. scores that goal, the game becomes entirely different in terms of momentum. So goalkeepers have a very, very important role to play, and it's their mental concentration throughout the 90 minutes that's so important. Five straight wins, unbeaten, first place, four points clear of the U.S. and Mexico with four games to go, a berth in the World Cup is well within reach. Are you allowing yourself to dream about that <laughs> clinching game and that trip to Qatar? You know, even even you just saying that to me right now, you know, those stats, five undefeated wins, beating Mexico, beating the U.S., beating Honduras, in Honduras, like, these are words, these are sentences that have not been uttered by a sports reporter in decades and decades and decades. So I got to pinch myself. We are in uncharted territory it's a great time, I have to be honest, to be, you know, working with Canada soccer. You know, our women, uh, they, you know, they're gold medalists, and no one will ever take Olympic gold medalists away from the, from the women. And now our men on the cusp of qualifying for 2022 in Qatar, knowing full well that we're already qualified for 2026. I mean, what an amazing roadway that we have for the next four or five years to build this sport in this country. You're in El Salvador on Wednesday. How does this team avoid a letdown after such an emotional win yesterday? Yeah, that's John's responsibility. I mean, Herdman, that's his specialty. He is uh, just as much as a soccer coach and a, and a meticulous tactician as he is a psychiatrist and a psychologist with all these players. So in addition to, the, to, to you know, bringing the team back up mentally, uh, physically, it's a big challenge, as you know. I mean, you know, get, going all the way back down to El Salvador is not easy. Uh, having been here, having just flown here from Honduras, and with many of the players having flown here from Europe to start the whole window, and then you've got this, you know, 40 to 50 degree change in Celsius, uh, which is really, really tough on the body. So, um, you know, this is a responsibility for John Herdman and all of the staff. And I, and I do want to actually give a shout out to all the staff. I mean, Herdman gets a lot of the praise, but, you know, there's a tremendous team uh, behind Herdman that works really, really, really hard day in and day out to get this team ready for these types of performances. Well, you've helped build a winning program, and it's a program that all Canadians can be proud of, and we're very much looking forward to the rest of this qualifying tournament and, of course, uh, what happens later on in November at the World Cup. Dr. Bontes, thank you for your time today. Best of luck this week and beyond. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And as Dr. Nick Bontis, President Canada Soccer, as the Canadian men have won six games, they have drawn four, a big fat donut in the lost column, and that is great to see. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Big news out of Ticats land as they have re-signed Simone Lawrence to a one-year contract for the 2022 season, the Eastern Division Defensive Player of the Year, who, like fine wine, seems to get better with age. He's had some phenomenal campaigns over the last few seasons and is the heart and soul of this Ticats defense of this Ticats team. So glad to see the big smiling guy back in black and gold. But a couple of other key signings that the Tiger Cats have made over the last number of days. Number one, Don Jackson, uh, the man who separated himself from every other running back on this team, signing a two-year deal with Hamilton. That is massive news because he could have gone to a couple of other teams. But having uh, that individual back in the locker room and on the field is a huge plus for Hamilton. He was phenomenal down the stretch. And another key signing as the Ticats continue to focus on offense over the last uh, number of days, is uh, Steve Dunbar Jr. re-signing with the club. So he'll be back 
as well. And obviously, these three recent signings come after the Ticats and Brandon Banks mutually agreed to part ways. Where the 34-year-old Banks lands remains to be seen. I'm sure if he wants to play, and he wants to play for a a particular number salary-wise, there will be a team out there that says, yes, come on board. You are too electrifying to pass up. Now, I think all, <laughs> all of us are looking at the available teams out there, and, and every team would want Speedy B. But the only team we do not want him to go to would be the Toronto Argonauts. That just cannot happen. Brandon, if you're out there listening, do not go. Whatever you do, do not go to Toronto. We just can't see that. Every time we see a legendary Tiger Cat suit up for the Devil Blue, it's a little bit of a gut punch, isn't it? Uh, other key signings this offseason for the Tiger Cats, uh, of course, quarterback Dane Evans, who's going to be the number one guy in 2022. His right tackle, Chris Van Zyl, who seems to be uh, ageless although he did have a couple of injuries this past season, including that thumb that kind of hampered his start to the campaign. Brandon Revenberg is going to be back, re-signing with the Tiger Cats a week or so ago, a couple of weeks ago. The East Division most outstanding lineman, so some key pieces both offensively and defensively. I can't forget Tunde Adelike, who I think is the best safety in the league, and I will get probably some heat for that. At least the most versatile. Can we agree on that? All right, sure. He's back in black and gold, but here are some of the guys that have yet to re-sign with Hamilton, and there are some big names here, and all of them on defense. Jagera Davis, got to have him back. The continuous motor that he and Dylan Wynn, who still remains unsigned, uh, those two guys on the D-line really set the table for this defense. Ted Laurent, whether he's going to be back or not, we know we had the uh, appendicitis issue just before the Grey Cup was not able to play in the championship game. Is he going to be back? That is a question mark. Love to see him back, though. And then you have three guys in the secondary, one of whom also plays special teams, who would look great on other teams, I'm sure. Other GMs are saying, hey, come on over to us. But I know Ticats fans don't want to lose these three guys, and that's Jamal Roll, Siante Evans, and Frankie Williams. And Frankie, of course, a big part of the special teams unit. For the Tiger Cats. If all of those guys are gone, ew, that's a very different looking defense. I, I can't imagine that. It's got to be a handful of those guys that will re-sign with the team and put this team's Grey Cup window firmly in place. I think it's still open. Whether it's as open as it was in previous years, well, hey, that remains to be seen. Let's see if they can finally jump through that window. It will be a different looking team. We know that. No Brandon Banks. Jeremiah Masoli probably going to sign somewhere else. So there will be some change in Tigertown, as there usually is during an offseason. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.